Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Hi, welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast. Today I'm talking with Professor Barry O'Reilly of Assert and University College Cork. How are you doing, Professor O'Reilly? Yeah, good morning. Um, good. Now tell me a bit about this. Uh, I know that you're involved uh, with the... Uh, New new product uh, called Crew COVID nineteen remote early warning system. Tell me how Crew came about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's been a really busy four or five weeks. It literally was just before St Patrick's Day when uh, John Murphy, the CEO of Eight West, uh, which is a software development company in Cork, uh, called me um, to discuss potential uses that they could apply their their knowledge to in, in terms of the pandemic and. Um, we, we've taken it from there, and everyone's worked incredibly hard really to get to this point. Um, yeah, so it's it's been a, a, it's a company that we've worked with in the Assert Centre at UCC for a number of months, looking at various applications of wearable technologies that they had uh, access to in, in terms of using it in the healthcare system. So uh, it's really just escalated from there. And uh, what we discussed initially was, well, uh, how could we utilize their technologies in terms of platform development uh, in terms of the, the pandemic uh, uh, and particularly in in the, the population and, and we know that social distancing is one of the big areas that is, is really being emphasized in, in management of the pandemic mm-hmm. and so what we discussed was um, temperature being one of the, f- the first things really that is a sign of an impending infection and was there a way that we could monitor um, people's temperatures and then it was looking at the, the appropriate environment to, to pilot this this uh, system in uh, and so we looked at the, the front of line healthcare workers because we know that about 25% of uh, COVID sufferers throughout the world are, are front of line healthcare staff so this is clearly an area of, of great need. It sounds pretty quick to, to get that developed in under about three or four weeks is pretty good going. Yeah, look, we, we pulled together a team. So 8West really dropped all their projects and, and focused entirely on this in terms of software development. Um, it was clear to us that we, we needed to, to get a peripheral temperature monitoring system. So we involved Tyndall uh, Institute, which are a global uh, academic center in terms of technology development. And uh, I guess we had to move so quickly uh, and nimbly on this that we didn't have time to develop our own um, specific uh, temperature monitor. So we looked around to see what the best commercially available one was out there. And we're, we're using one which is commercially available as a CMC marking and FDA marking. So it was clear we needed to use a peripheral temperature device that, that, that was already in global use. So the one we use is it's called Tempal. It's, it sits under the armpit. It's the size of a postage stamp. Yeah. And it sticks with an adhesive in your armpit and it measures your auxiliary uh, temperature. And that's connected by Bluetooth to the, the wearable solution, whether it be a smartphone or a smartwatch. And that all integrates then into the platform that AWEST have, have created, which is a dashboard system where... Uh, say, for example, the user has this under their armpit, it constantly monitors their temperature. If they get spikes in temperature, which would be worrying and clinical signs of, 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 of temperature or fever would be a temperature greater than 38 degrees. Uh, if that happens on, on two or more occasions, 
with a corresponding increase in heart rate, which is again another sign of possible fever developing. Then an alert is sent to the, the user, yeah. uh, but also to the central processing unit, which is manned by the, the person in charge of, of rostering. So, for example, in the emergency room where we've been piloting, piloting it in, in CUH, uh, that responsibility is the, is the, the lead nurse uh, or clinician in charge who every morning can look at the dashboard and see all the wearers' temperatures and heart rates over the preceding day or two. And if there are any alerts there, then she can or he can contact the, the two or three uh, clinical staff and say, look, you know, don't come in the front door if you like to work today uh, with the risk of potentially spreading the infection. But divert them towards occupational health or the relevant pathway. Yeah, and you were saying this works with a, with a smartphone or, or a smartwatch. Does it matter what brand or type of watch or phone you have? No, I mean, this This was the real challenge. So as a clinician, it's totally alien to me, but I mean, the, the amount of work that's, had, that's, that's been going on and the staff involved in 8West to, to test this with all Android and iOS devices. I mean, I wasn't aware of the the, the intricacies of that type of technology, but to to make this platform compatible with as many as as we could was very important. Uh, again, commercially available uh, wearables or commercially available phones, uh, and again, it it wasn't working so well on the earlier forms of the Apple phone or the, the Samsung phone or the Huawei phone. It, it's more unique and more up to date versions. Yeah. Otherwise, it's very difficult to integrate that type of technology. So, so the guys in the West have really tested it in the majority of, of different uh, wearables. And when it comes to like smart watches, will it work with a Fitbit, an Apple watch, or is it just a certain kind of watch? Uh, well, I've, I've personally been trialing the Huawei watch uh, yeah. because, again, we have a partnership with Vodafone going on for quite a while now in the search center at UCC, and uh, Vodafone kindly donated, uh, I think it was 50 of the Huawei uh, phones. Uh, but also a certain number of the Huawei uh, watches, wearable watches. So yeah. uh, we've been testing it personally on those in our pilot study, but uh, they, the guys at 8West have, have linked them with Apple Watches and with the, the Google brands as well, I think. Yeah, that's good to hear. Now, I know that the moment... You know... <laughs> Sorry. Fitbit not, I think, so far. Yeah. Now, I know at the moment you're actually also doing a trial at a... Nursing home, Oakley nursing home in in, uh, in uh, Cloyne in County Cork. How easy is it to implement in other nursing homes in Ireland? Well, I think again, this we got uh, a certain amount of media exposure last week. Uh, with as I said, our, our first instinct was to go with the frontline health services and the emergency department. It was a a reasonably straightforward thing to do, considering I'm a clinician. I involved Professor Stephen Cusack, who's uh, the Professor of Emergency Medicine Cork, so he was very much uh, brought into the project as well. And um, it was the, the logical place to, to start because we're looking at a, a workforce that uh, they work shift systems, days on, days off. So they're, they're a difficult workforce to, to monitor well-being in. They don't work the traditional 9 to 5, Monday to Friday hours. So, uh, you know, and again, coming off night shifts, these are group of, of workers that, that would be exhausted, so it would be a very big ask to, to ask them to go home when they're off duty and regularly take their own temperature. So, you know, this device adds reassurance to them that, that uh, we're, we're looking after their well-being in, in many ways. So in terms of uh, that's how we started, but we've seen, I guess, over the last number of weeks that this 
um, technology has, has a use in, in many different working environments. So uh, with the, the increasing issues amongst nursing homes and COVID in the last couple of weeks, uh, a colleague of mine who, who runs a nursing home in, in Cloyne in Cork contacted us last week when he saw the media uh, exposure of, of the crew system and, um, and said, look, did I think it would work well in, in that environment? And so we had a long discussion. We talked to the staff and again, they have a, you know, I think eight, five staff in, in that particular nursing home, uh, all who will be in contact regularly with, with uh, you know, frail elderly at-risk group, and it seemed a very logical next step to try this in the nursing home environment. So, yeah, it's, uh, we, we hope to get that, that, that uh, trial off in the next week or so. That's good. And also, just one more thing I'm wondering, could it be used, if, for example, your patient uh, of, uh, of, with an underlying illness and you can't go to get your regular checkups in the hospital. Could this technology be used to monitor the patient as well? Yeah, look, I, I think it would be incredibly useful. And in fact, there, there was a use case scenario of a, a very well-known public figure in the UK who was, was quarantined uh, at home for, for a week. Uh, and obviously he was getting sicker and sicker and having, I think it was telephone consultations with the, with the doctor, but... Uh, temperature was clearly getting out of control and you know I think in that situation a system like this might have picked up uh, the degree of, of illness that was that was happening there and potentially transferring that person into hospital at an earlier stage so yeah because I know uh, yeah I mean I, this, this, this type of technology in all honesty I think that the more we're getting into so we're seeing how it can be more and more I think it's going to become very relevant in the next few months because it's all very well uh, promoting social isolation and distancing and that type of thing, but there are workforces that, that can't abide by that type of ruling. You know, so the work, the, the healthcare frontline staff are, are one group. Yeah, uh, we've talked to, to international airlines about this as well because again, you've got a a group of workforce that that work strange hours, jet lag, time zones, and you know, a lot of integration of social at small distances with with the public so it has applications in many workforces I think but also <clears throat> if we think of the loosening of social restrictions in the coming weeks you know we will get more spikes of this virus in the next six months yeah. undoubtedly the more we loosen we those restrictions and <laughs> and so we need to be able to have some way of monitoring someone who's potentially getting you know showing the early signs of infection and, and uh, dealing with them that way and I guess the moment we don't really know much about the virus, is so, every time we're hearing something new, it's always changing. Like last I heard last week, they were saying if you got COVID-19 and then the, 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 then uh, you had it once, you won't get it again. But now they're saying it's not sure. And now the only real way of knowing it is probably probably via temperature. If you get a rise in temperature, then there's a good chance you might have this. Well, I think exactly. Uh, you know, we, we're, as you say, you know, it's, it's a very uncertain time. We're seeing a lot of, of grayness about this. You know, as you said, at one stage we thought that if you had it, then you were immune. You know, the antibody testing that they're doing, in other words, testing to see if someone has a defense mechanism against recurring infection. We're not entirely sure whether those antibody tests are, are freely available or whether they're, they're precise. Uh, we know even the COVID testing, uh, screening tests that are being done globally at the moment uh, there's a certain amount of false negatives there. So, in other words, if someone has uh, even has COVID, uh, the test might be negative. So, 
there's a lot of uncertainty about the testing. There's a lot of uncertainty about where we're going, how far away the vaccine is. Uh, so, you know, the only true management methodology we have is, is this social distancing, like with any yeah. infection, is to try and break the chain of it. So I think we should really be concentrating on how we can can socially distance or, or quarantine in a, in a socially acceptable manner. And in a system like this, I think this is very helpful with that. Yeah, and also, I guess, if we're trying to, in time, ease restrictions and bring certain businesses or certain uh, things back open, by using this technology, we're able to actually just see quickly if somebody has, has an illness and we can get that quarantined. Exactly. I mean, that's, this. I guess where this initially stemmed from was the idea of, of a workforce management tool. So, and, and we saw it because 25%, as we said, as we said, of, of COVID infections were happening in the frontline healthcare staff. In other words, where staff were working so closely in an environment where this virus was all about the place and were getting this and, and yet coming back to work the following day just in the early stages of us and, and spreading us without knowing. So, so this is a way of really uh, picking up, as you said, remotely an early warning system of potential of staff getting potential viral infection and lessening the spread of it, you know, so, so filtering the out or, or triaging the out of the workplace. Because yeah, if you can bring something like this in, in, into a general workplace, it means the government can ease circumstances in certain, in certain sectors and uh, slowly we can get back to being a country again. Well, I, I think we, we have to. There's only so long we can, we can uh, live as a, as a population like with these type of restrictions. I think it was very timely for the government to choose them to, to attempt to, to ease the, the spread of the virus. But, you know, fundamentally we have to balance mental well-being and social well-being with, with, with health. And uh, that's why it's incumbent upon us, I think, as healthcare professionals in the med tech industry to work together on systems like this that, that can allow us to function perhaps a little bit more normally than we have done over the past number of weeks. And the best thing is because they're using technology that's already out there and people already have, like a smartphone or a smartwatch, it doesn't cost too much to implement either. Yeah, exactly. What we've tried to do is is really provide a system that that uh, is freely accessible and easy to roll out. And, and I think we've, we've ticked those boxes with this. We have a, a little temperature monitoring device that, that has been shown to be working very well. So in the pilot study, what we did was was match that up with the user wearing this in the armpit, but uh, the user also checked their tympanic temperature, you know, traditional way of taking temperature in hospital. Yeah. And there's very good correlation between that and what the, the the armpit sensor was picking up. So so we know it works, um, and, and it really is uh, looking at functionality of it now or how it functions in different working environments. All right, that's good. Now, you mentioned before earlier about uh, you've talked about it with different airlines. Well, what other countries or markets do you think this could work in? Yeah, so, I mean, we, we've been very much helped by uh, different partners that have come in on our teleconferences on a daily basis over the last couple of weeks, one of which is uh, a group called Cambridge Wireless. Um, it's a group of uh, global technology experts and uh, They've been very helpful in, in introducing us to, to the right technology people globally. Uh, but along with that, we've had a lot of interest from healthcare markets, for example, in the Middle East. 
uh, in Italy um, and in the UK. So uh, there's a lot of interest in this, and clearly the more uh, publicity we get or exposure we get, then you know I think a lot more countries will will, will look to to this. But uh, I guess you know we we need to focus on on our at home here and and what we're doing in Ireland, and yeah. uh, we'll hopefully have some. Uh, good high-level negotiations in the coming days with, with the HSE because I think it's really important that uh, I, that we get as a, as a group to speak to decision-makers at the HSE level and chief medical officer level to, to uh, show them what we're doing and um, and uh, hopefully convince them that this is something that, that should be rolled out nationally. Yeah, and I guess until there's a vaccine found, found, for, found for the, the COVID-19, we don't want to scenario where we're, where we're in lockdown or call kind of lockdown for months and months and if we can have the technology that can help ease restrictions that could, that's what we need in the moment to get us back to normal yeah I mean, I mean exactly that I mean a vaccine you know I think everyone knows it's no secret that it could take uh, certainly probably by the end of the year before anything is, is, is available yeah. um, the way viruses work as well is that one vaccine will that become efficient for, for COVID-19 or will there be a variant of covid Viruses tend to, to replicate and, and, and reform themselves in different ways and become resistant to things. You know, we see that with the flu vaccine yeah. that's used every year. That's, you know, best efforts are that it targets the very strains of flu, but people still get flu, you know, because strains evolved that are, are, are not included in that particular vaccine. Yeah. So while we're waiting for all of that, you know, we, we, we need to, to come back as a society to a degree of of normal function for, for all our, our mental and health well-being. Yeah. Um, and, and with that will come further spikes of this virus. Undoubtedly, you know, as you lift those social restrictions, we will get further spikes of it over the next six months. And, and what will be important in those situations is not to just lock down the country again, but to deal with this in a very proactive way in terms of, of um, triaging out clusters of infection and, and that's why systems like this are, are, are completely, in my view very very important Now before we finish Professor Roy is there anything else you want to the podcast? Um, no I just I'm, I'm very appreciative that you've given me the time to, to talk about this uh, I think it's uh, something that's very important you know I think uh, perhaps this, this particular virus and, and uh, pandemic globally has just taken every country by surprise uh, but it's going to have to make us think a little bit more nimbly about how we manage the inevitable COVID-20 or COVID-21 or, or, or whatever else comes along. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we, we need to be ready. And if nothing else, uh, the next few months will will, um, will teach us a little bit better about how we can manage things. Right. Thanks so much for that enlightening conversation, Professor Wiley. And have a great day and good luck in the future with this project. Hope, hope it's a great Thanks success. Thanks very much. Thank, Thank you. you, Ron. Thanks, Brian. Bye-bye. Bye.